Can you hear me? There we go. Now we're on. <clears throat> Just want to give you a warning. Um, sorry for the sniffle. <clears throat> I do have the crud, so if I go into a hack and fit, I told the guys to turn me off. Um, but I did bring a hanky this time, so this is good. <clears throat> so uh, Dub kind of stole my introduction a little bit, but that's okay. No, it's fine. This is good. It wasn't even planned, so I think those things are good. Um, but this is the first day of Advent. Is anybody excited about that? I mean, come on. It's okay to yell and clap and get excited about the first Sunday of Advent. Come on. It's Christmas season. It's Christmas season. It's Christmas season. It's great. So here's the funny thing is that I had no idea what the definition of Advent was. Can a show of hands, who knows the definition of Advent? Well, now that Dub told you. But before Dub told you, who knows, who knew the definition of Advent? Show of hands. Okay, we have three or four. It's good. I did not. So he was right. So if you look up the definition on Google, it does mean... um, the coming. That's that was the Latin word adventus. Uh, also, the definition is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Um, it's also a translation of the Greek word parousia, meaning presence, arrival, or official visit. So for us, it's Jesus, y'all. It's Jesus. This time of year <clears throat> brings a ton of emotions, um, and that kind of differs from people to people and. Uh, uh, also with, with, with life, uh, those things kind of go up and down in different emotions, but for some it brings happiness. And like for me, there's nothing that makes me more happy than the belting out some good Christmas classic songs on the radio, driving down the road with Elena and we do it in silly voices and she's singing Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and Gene Autry. And then she does a fantastic Blue Christmas Elvis impersonation. <laughs> Fantastic. It's hilarious. Those are some good times. And for some, it brings a comfort. So when I think about home and I think about Christmas, I think about the Christmas tree in the corner and the fire in the fireplace and the stockings on the mantle, surrounded by family and friends, good football game on TV. You know, this this the Hallmark Christmas movie, right? It just feels good. <clears throat> But for some, it brings uh, sadness, swing of emotions, um, missing loved ones that have passed on, seeing families struggle and kids that ought not be dealing, uh, been in situations they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be in. Uh, for some, it brings loneliness, the widow with no earthly family left to celebrate or the homeless with nowhere to go. But for those in Christ Jesus, it brings joy. Joy in the fact that Jesus has come. The kingdom is here. And Jesus walks with us every day. Joy overcomes all of those other emotions. Crushes them. Joy resides in our heart and can never be taken away. And for that reason, we focus on Jesus at this time of year. So, my passion uh, for this message... Excuse me, changed a little bit this week. No, it kind of intensified. 
uh, some things that happened this week in, in my life. A uh, good friend of mine, really close friend of mine, um, his sister unexpectedly passed away Monday night. Uh, she was 37 years old. Uh, she was pregnant with her second child, who also passed away the following day. So on Sunday, she was celebrating her daughter's fifth birthday and posting pictures on Facebook. And on Monday, she passed away that fast. So there is a sense of urgency when we say in this time right now to focus on Jesus because it's that important, y'all. Okay? So to prepare our hearts for this Advent season, we're going to work through Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. So open your Bibles. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. I'm going to grab a, a cough drop here because I feel they're coming on. So when studying through this passage, I had some, um, I had some moments, some sobering moments. I had some moments of, of mission, uh, some moments of peace, and some moments of hope. Um, I'll, I pray that you also see those things as we walk through it. And uh, Mitch uh, gave me a book uh, by John Oswalt. Um, his a study of Isaiah. Um, it's a great uh, um, um, commentary on the book of Isaiah. So he gave this summary statement that he had for Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. But it really also uh, gives you the full summary definition of the book of Isaiah. So I... I used it, and we're going to say it. This is going to be our summary statement for today. So listen to this, and and when when you hear Israel, put put yourself into that same category. Sometimes it works. So the summary statement is this: proud, self sufficient Israel can become the witness to the greatness of God only when she has been reduced to helplessness by His judgment. And then restored to life by his unmerited grace. Man, such a solid, solid statement. So we're going to read through the whole passage and then we're going to break it down verse by verse. And we're going to be back and forth a little bit from Isaiah into the New Testament and some other places in the, in the Old Testament. So just kind of stick with me, but we're going to work through verse by verse. But let's start. Uh, we're going to read the whole thing all the way through. So Isaiah 2, uh, 1 through 5. The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. And will be raised above the hills. And all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. That he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord, Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Come, house of Jacob. And let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. So let's start in verse 2. So for us to understand verse 2, we have to understand the current situation of Israel. Um, The question is, why did the Lord see the need to state that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as chief of the mountains? 
So the, the really simple answer is, is that Israel had other mountains. Okay, Israel had walked away from the Lord and was serving and worshiping idols, mostly selfishness and, and self-sufficiency, but also physical idols. Look at Isaiah uh, uh, 1, 21 and 23. How the faithful city has become a harlot, she who is full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your drink diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow plea come before them. Isaiah 2, 7 through 8. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land has also been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. I can't, uh, I'll read those things, I can't help but to see exactly where we are in our culture today, most especially around this time of year. It is so important, y'all, to be under continuous examination of ourselves. Our traditions and our symbolisms in this time can be, can be taken too far. So we don't, we don't have, <clears throat> we don't have little Joe Boos that we have sitting in our locker room that, that they're there till we can hit the curveball. No, we have something that's a little less obvious than that. And I could go on and on right here about how this applied in my life around this time of year, but I'm going to save you from thinking that I'm a Christmas Scrooge. Uh, so really what it boils down to is this. If you come to the realization that you have anything above the Lord, deal with it and flee from it. Keep the focus on Jesus Read the narrative and pay attention to the history of Israel so as to learn from them so that we don't fall in the same trap. But do not think that we are any better than they are. And don't think that we have it all figured out. So in other words, do not become haughty. Let's look at Romans eleven seventeen through 27. Romans eleven seventeen through 27. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that this is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold, then, the kindness and severity of God to those who fail severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much of these how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed by this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. 
And so it all, so all of Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So even though Israel had placed their idols on, on mountains, God ensures us that he will be lifted higher than all of those mountains. That he will be the one and only God to be worshipped. And that all nations, not just Israel, all of them will stream to his mountain. Amen. Let's go back to uh, Isaiah. Let's look at verse 3. So verse 3. And many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Again, many peoples. Not just Israel. And the people are encouraging one another to go to the Lord. That first, that part right in the middle. Come, let us go. He states, also states God of Jacob. Which again, he's separating himself from the small g gods. And ensuring that this is the one and only God, Yahweh. So continuing on. That he may teach us concerning his ways. And that we may walk in his paths. That he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. So, we go. Why? To be taught his ways. Why? So that we know how to walk. This goes for many examples in our life. One example that just kind of popped in my head as I was reading through this is, as an infant, we go to our parents to teach us how to walk. So unless we go to our parents, we will never be taught. And if we're never taught, we will never walk. And I didn't mean for that to rhyme. The process doesn't end with being taught. There is a choice to put into action what we learn. So in the same way, we can choose to go to the Lord and to learn his ways. But unless we put what we learn into action, the learning is in vain. Now, walking in his ways will certainly separate us from the world. And in some cases, Make us look really weird to others. The little weirdness here is totally worth the hope of eternity with Jesus. So it's okay to be weird. So last part of verse 3. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. <clears throat> Flip over and look at uh, Luke 24, 44 through 49. Luke twenty four forty four through 49. Jesus confirms this prophecy. <clears throat> now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was sent. The gospel spread starting from Jerusalem to all nations. 
I love it whenever you can find in that prophecy fulfilled. It's just, it is so uh, beautiful. It gives me, uh, gives me um, energy. So let's look back, okay. Flip back again, back to Isaiah. Let's look at verse 4. <clears throat> Looking at verse 4. Get some more water here. Verse 4, and he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. So the war is still there, but the battlefield is not physical. Therefore, there is a change in weaponry. So Paul said it best about our change in weaponry, and we're going to look at that in the second letter in the, of the Corinthians church in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Paul talks about this change in weaponry. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. That last part of verse 6 is important. It says whenever your obedience is complete. So in order to have authority to punish disobedience, you have to deal with your own disobedience first. So in other words, get the log out of your own eye so that you can see clear to get the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So continuing on in verse 4. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. So when I read this, I was like, man, wait a minute. I was like, there's war all over the place. So how can he say that they will never again learn war? How can he say that nation will not go up against nation? It's, it's happening right now. It's happening on the news we see it. It's happening in the war and some of the relationships that we have. So how, how can he say this? And so look, look back at verse 3 and what did we learn? We do not get the result unless we first go. So peace is a result of going to the Lord, being taught, and walking in his ways. If each person or nation submits their needs to God alone, not relying on their own self-sufficiency, then peace will happen between them. There is no, no reason to meet that uh, need by force or argument again. This is knowing your identity in Christ and nothing else. Have you ever tried to, to mend a relationship when one or the other doesn't really know their identity in Jesus? It doesn't work. Peace is only found in Jesus and being grounded in him. So, before heading to the peace talks, first encourage one another to go to the Lord. This is the mission. Share the gospel. Point to the Lord. Tell others to go to him to be taught how to walk in his ways. And listen... Don't go. Don't let them go alone. Walk beside them. We heard Jenny's the discipleship. Walk beside them. 
side by side in discipleship so that they can see Jesus in you. Keep casting the seed. Listen, that this is this was huge for me. This was huge for me because this was uh, man, this 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 came to me and I was just, I was floored. So I want you to listen to this carefully. If you are in Christ, you bear fruit. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All fruit from the Lord has seed. The gospel of Christ is in you. The seedless fruit that you find in the grocery store, that's man-made. Man alters the growth process to yield seedless fruit. Why does man alter that to make seedless fruit? For ease of consumption. You can have fruit, but when you cut it open, there's nothing there. Seedless fruit is not the Lord's. We are not to hoard the seed. We are not to keep it for ourselves. We are, to, we are not to store it up for some future time. We are to cast it freely. The peacemaking process starts by casting the seed. Lastly, in verse 5, Isaiah 2, 5. Come, house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Here we see a response to verses 2 through 4. Encouraging obedience to walk with the Lord. For Israel uh, to turn away from its ways and to walk in the light of the Lord. This is encouragement to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in this Advent season. And Dub hit on this with what is our real Advent. Our real Advent is the second coming of Jesus we have our prophecy just like Israel did. Jesus will return. Do you believe that? Jesus will return. Revelation 22, 7, Jesus said, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of this prophecy, to the, to the words of the prophecy of this book. When he returns, will he find you walking with him? And obeying him and heeding the prophecy. Matthew 24. Be ready. He will come like in the days of Noah. Second Thessalonians 5. He will come like a thief in the night. We are not only to be ready. But be eagerly waiting. And praying for his return. Psalm 90. 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 1 7. Just to name a couple. The call for readiness of your heart is urgent. This Advent season, focus on Jesus. So, Ben, ben you can make your way up. We're gonna, I'm going to um, finish up here. And I want to close in a little bit of a different way than normal. I ask you to stand with me as I read Isaiah 12 uh, to prepare us to respond and worship to what we have heard
to Isaiah 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. And you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joylessly joylessly draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth, cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts for this season. Prepare our hearts to keep focused on you and nothing else. I pray, Jesus, to come. We wait eagerly for you, and we pray that you come. And we worship you right now in response to what we have heard. And praise these things in Jesus' name.